Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get this underway. Welcome to a special edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. A quick reaction to what was obviously uh, quite the disappointing performance by the Gamecocks against the Missouri Tigers at home in williams Bryce Day. And the Gamecocks lost the game, of course, 23-10. And uh, I'm going to dive into everything that happened today. I'm going to talk about the offense's performance. I'm going to address the elephant in the room, which is Marcus Satterfield, of course, South Carolina's offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, the decisions that he made during this game and, you know, what could be the future in that role? What could be the future of that position? And I'll also, of course, talk about the defense's hand in this loss as well. Before I get started, I want to let y'all know that today's quick reaction show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. You can sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. All right, so let's go ahead and get on right into the offense's performance itself, how the players performed. Uh, to give you all an idea of just how bad, just how sideways this game went for this side of the ball, let me give you all a couple of quick stats. South Carolina only got 203 yards of offense on the day. They only rushed for 32 yards on 23 collective carries. They had the ball for only 23 minutes and 20 five seconds in this game and on first downs excuse me in terms of first downs in the first three drives they only had one they did not get their second first down in this football game until their 13th offensive play from a time standpoint that happened around the four minute 49 second mark in the second quarter South Carolina almost won a whole 30 minutes before they got their second first down. That's how bad this game went. And the reason why this offense played so bad today was because of the pressure that was brought by Missouri. You got to give Missouri a lot of credit. And I know, Gamecock fans, that it hurts y'all to hear this. But listen... Missouri owns this series right now. They've owned this series for the last couple of years. They've now won four games in a row. Last year was because South Carolina couldn't stop the Missouri's rushing attack. This year, it was because they could not stop the pressure, the blitzes, the stunts that were brought by Missouri's defensive front. Missouri got four sacks in this game. That's not even counting all of the hurries and pressures that they accumulated over the course of the football game. They also had 11 tackles for loss on rushing plays against South Carolina. And Missouri won this game with scheme. If I told y'all last season that that Missouri defense was going to go out there in 2022, field a top five defense in the SEC, and do what they did against South Carolina today... A lot of you would have probably sat there and thought to yourselves, well, Missouri must have really had an impressive transfer portal haul. They must have had a really solid recruiting class. They must have had some of those freshmen step up and play significant roles immediately. That's not what happened here. Now, Missouri, of course, does have some really impressive players. They, of course, have Isaiah McGuire on that defensive line. They brought in Tyrone Hopper from Florida, a really stout linebacker, especially in rush defense. And they brought in a guy in Joseph Charlton at, maybe not, no, sorry, Joseph Charleston, I think is his name, at the safety position, who, of course, brings championship experience from Clemson. Again, whether you like to admit that or not, that's the truth. 
Those are really the only like big additions to this Missouri defense. And yet they are so much better. Why is that? It's because they are well coached. Bottom line, no other things to say about that. It's all because they are just better coached on that side of the ball. And they showed that in spades today. And I'm going to get into all of that in just a couple of moments. Real quickly, a message from our sponsors in Underdog Fantasy. Really appreciate them being friends of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. They are the easiest place to spice up your college football season. They have a slew of games every single weekend that you could pick a certain pick them in, in the sense of if a quarterback, you know, say from Clemson, TJ Uangale, let's say they're wondering if he's going to throw for 250 and a half passing yards or more. They'll give you a higher or a lower. You could put money down on that pick them, and if you guess right, you will get that money back and more. They do that for a lot of games every single week. It's a really cool opportunity to earn some quick cash. So if you're interested, sign up with the promo code Locked On, all in one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, meaning that if you deposit $100, you'll get $100 for free. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Locked On, all one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, let's address what is currently taking place with South Carolina's offensive coordinator, and that is Marcus Satterfield. Now, obviously, again, Missouri's defense deserves a lot of credit for what happened on Saturday afternoon against the South Carolina Gamecocks offense. They caused a lot of issues with the Gamecocks up front. They made life miserable for Spencer Rattler all game long, and that's the main reason that they won, okay? It's not like South Carolina gifted them this football game. But there are a lot of things that Marcus Satterfield did in this game that are highly questionable. There's no getting around that. This has become a reoccurring theme in a lot of games that South Carolina has played in the Shane Boomer era while Marcus Satterfield has been the offensive coordinator. Here are a few things that happened in the game against Missouri that I specifically noted as things that I just can't understand. I can't wrap my mind around it. I've been watching college football for 16 years. I played high school football for four years. No, that doesn't mean I have a doctrine understanding all the X's and O's in terms of football. But I have somewhat of an idea of how things can play out in a football game. I'm not somebody that just, you know, basically understands just the general basics of everything. I understand you know, a little bit more in-depth knowledge of this game. And in terms of the play calling, I cannot recall a single rollout play-action pass called. I can't recall a single bootleg play-action pass called. None of those concepts were utilized in this game against Missouri. When you're facing a defense that's bringing that much pressure that the Missouri Tigers did on Saturday afternoon, at some point, you've got to think about I need to move the pocket. I need to protect my quarterback. I need to give him some more time. You don't do the same thing in the sense of, we're just going to continue to do some regular drop back passes. And if we do call play play action passes, excuse me, then we're just going to have him take some more depth in the original pocket. We're not going to try to move the pocket horizontally somewhere else on the field. That's what happened with Marcus Satterfield on Saturday. 
No rollouts, no bootlegs. I've brought this up in other games this season. And for a pro-style offense, at least that's what this offense is supposed to be, it is shocking to me the lack of usage of those concepts. Another thing I couldn't understand for the life of me when this happened, in the third quarter, in one 15-minute period of a football game, I can never recall, I cannot recall, ever seeing this many swing passes and screens being called in one 15-minute period. You literally, Gamecock fans probably witnessed at least 15 of them in the third quarter against Missouri. Now, I do understand that at the running back position, Coach Satterfield barely was in a bit of a bind. If there's one thing you can say where, you know, you can go, look, he was dealing with a real sticky situation there. It was the running back spot. Christian Bill Smith came into this game a little bit banged up, did not get a whole lot of carries. I think that that basically told everyone in that stadium that he's still dealing with whatever ailment he's had, he's got right now. Marshawn Lloyd, it was reported by Coach Beamer or told by Coach Beamer to the media after the game that he's got a deep thigh bruise. He took a real nasty hit in that thigh, I believe sometime late in the first quarter or sometime in the middle of the second quarter. That pretty much took him out of commission for the rest of the game. So at that point in the game, the only healthy running back on the roster that had seen significant snaps at any point in his career at South Carolina was Juju McDowell. And so when you're down to one running back, essentially, in your main rotation at that spot, I could understand why Marcus Satterfield would call some more swing passes or screens, which basically these days in modern offenses are essentially quick ways to get a run play going to the edge. I mean, that's basically what it is. And if you spread it out the field horizontally, the hope is that the defense will respect that more. Those linebackers will take some, you know, some, they'll be more widespread. They will go farther towards the numbers and it will give you more space in the interior for you to get that inside run game going. So to a certain extent, I have to think that's part of the reason why so many swing passes and screen passes were called in that time period. But my gosh, it seemed like every other play was a screen or swing pass. And here's the thing. This has been a big part of this offense for the majority of the season. And in that third quarter, there was two screen passes, I believe, to Antoine Wells that went for like a combined 30 semi-yards. So what I think happened And I, of course, you know, I don't know this for sure. This is purely a guess. What I think literally happened, the way it looked to me, South Carolina had some success on those swing passes or screens to Antoine Wells, excuse me. And Marcus Satterfield basically decided, well, if those worked, I can keep calling it. And he did this for the rest of the third quarter. And, of course, Missouri's coaching staff, they're not stupid, They figured out eventually that that was probably going to be one of their main calls on that side of the ball. They keyed in on it, and they shut it down eventually. So I I can't understand why on earth, you know, there, there was never any quick slants called that I could remember from that quarter. You know, no angle routes for Juju McDowell. If there's one route that I would definitely run him on, it'd be an angle route where he basically runs out from the backfield on a diagonal angle past the offensive tackle on that side of the formation, and then cuts back in towards the middle of the field. I think Juju McDowell would be perfect for a route concept like that. 
I didn't see that get called at any point in the third quarter. And then you talk about number zero, Jaheim Bell. Guess what? You can mention that number two times over today. He did not get a single touch in this football game. Not a one. He never even, I think, had the ball thrown his way. That is just, it's, it's unfathomable that a guy of that talent, this is, I want to remind everyone real quick, this is a guy who coming into this season, some people had projected as a first round draft pick for this next April. Unless he explodes these last four regular season games and a bowl game that the Gamecocks might go to, that ain't happening at this point. It's just not. He has not seen the ball very much at all since the first couple weeks of the season. You know, it was talked about how he was going to get a bunch of snaps at running back. He hasn't seen really any running back snaps since week two or three. This game would have been a game where maybe you wanted to go back to that at least a couple of times. Not like 10-15 runs, but you know, once or twice. Just see what happens. And that didn't happen. It wasn't called. And I'm just, I'm shocked at the lack of utilization of a guy who was maybe one of the most talented tight end players that South Carolina has seen come through here. That North Carolina game last year was a microcosm of the talent that 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 Jaheim Bell has. And it's not being utilized. He's averaging right now like two, three catches a game. Running a pro-style offense is great. That's awesome. You know, you have a bunch of play action involved. You're trying to get everybody in the offense involved. Fans are going to understand all that. But you know something? That should not cause your most talented players in the offense to be sacrificed. And the thing that gets me is this. I've actually seen, not a whole lot of fans, okay, but I've seen some fans who've actually defended Jaheim Bell not getting as many touches this season, saying, well, you know something? He's got to be able to go out there and block. He's got to show defenses some other stuff because otherwise defenses will just key in on him. Okay, sure. Most guys are going to watch Jaheim Bell's film, and guess what? The first thing they're going to say about him is, that guy's a playmaker. That guy's someone that's going to get fed the rock a lot. They're going to throw him the football. They're not saying this guy's going to get sent to the edge in line with the offensive line, and he's the first guy that's going to be out there on a run block. What's the harm in that? I don't know anyone in the NFL right now that's an executive running a team who would sit there and say, you know something, I really would like to have Tom Brady as my quarterback. But because he can't run a sub-5-5, probably 40-yard dash, and he's not an all-around complete player at the quarterback position, I don't want him. Now, I'm not saying Jaheim Bell as a tight end has got the talent of Tom Brady at quarterback. But the point of that analogy is you don't go away from the guy's strengths. You don't, you know, not give him the ball because he's not maybe the strongest run blocker. So what? So what? I mean, that's not a good reason to not feed him the football. 
And you know something? South Carolina, yes, South Carolina's played some really good defenses this year. Georgia's a great defense. Kentucky's a real solid defense. Texas A&M's a real decent defense. Missouri's obviously got a fantastic defense. They've played some good defenses. No one's going to deny that. But you need me to tell me that all those defenses are so good across the board in their starting lineup that number zero is going to have less than 200 receiving yards eight games into this season. He's on pace right now to barely get over half of what he got last year in receptions, I think, and receiving yards. That is asinine, is what that is. It's asinine, and it is absolutely ludicrous that that, is, that, that has happened. So, I, I've, I dwelled on the whole Jaheim Bell scenario long enough now. Let me talk about Marcus Satterfield's, at this point, his job security. I'll just say this, because I, I, I need to try to avoid getting in trouble here. I was at Shane Beamer's post-game press conference. I attended it in person after the game. A lot of these press conferences that Shane Beamer has been a part of up to this point in his South Carolina career, whenever there was a game the offense didn't perform well and there was questions brought up, you know, what could the offense do to get better? What could the staff change up to make things better for this, for, better for the players? Is there something you feel like that, you know, may, maybe this offense just isn't clicking right now? And more often than not, Shane Beamer, I don't want to say he would be deflective, but he would pretty much say, you know, this offense had its moments. You know, there, there are certain things to build off of, and this offense is getting better. You know, you, you can't see it throughout the entire 60 minutes if you just take a snapshot of it, but when you go back and watch the film, there's, there, there's things there. There's things to build off of. And Shane Beamer would say that he has said this almost after every game up to this point in his Gamecock tenure. For the first time ever, attending this press conference after the Missouri game earlier tonight, Shane Beamer agreed with the sentiments of how bad the offense was. Now, he didn't throw anybody in particular under the bus. He didn't throw Coach Satterfield under the bus. He definitely didn't throw the players under the bus. Of course, he shouldered the blame. He said, you know, I'm the head coach. It's my responsibility to get things right. He said that. And, you know, that's all well and good, but at the same time, you know, he was asked certain questions like, you know, what would your, what would your response be to people right now who would say th- changes need to be made? He said that he, understood, that he understood their frustration, and I was actually a bit taken aback by it. I, I honestly was. Because the whole point of being the head coach is pretty much you stick next to your guys all the time, even in their worst moments. When they have a bad game, your quarterback goes out there and completes 30% of his passes. He throws five picks. He's your starting quarterback. You have to stick by him. You can't just throw him under the bus. If you do throw him under the bus, you do it behind closed doors. Now, again, Coach Beamer didn't do that. He didn't do that at all. But my point is, Coach Beamer would really work hard to defend Coach Satterfield and the offense as a whole. And he's done this all the way up to this point in his career at South Carolina. For the first time ever on Saturday night, he sounded like a man that was acknowledging that this offense has some legitimate problems. He really did. And I think that based off of that, again, I have nothing to I have nothing solidified from an information standpoint to go off of with this. But to me, the way that he acted at that press conference told me that these last four games is 
Marcus Satterfield's final chance. Anyone who thinks that he's going to be gone after this game, you're kidding yourself. It's not happening, okay? Let me just dispel all that right then and there. But Marcus Satterfield, he's got four games left. He's got Vanderbilt. He's got Florida. He's got Tennessee. He's got Clemson. Three of those four games are all going to be on the road. If the offense does not perform at a very high level, and I probably over half these games... I would suspect that there will be a change made the offensive coordinator position. I would suspect there will be a change made. Again, I have no inside information to go off of, and I usually I stray away from speculating. But I feel pretty confident in saying what I am saying to you all right now, that Marcus Satterfield is hanging on by a few threads right now with that job. Shane Beamer understands that at some point, you know, the team, he's got to make decisions that are best for the team. And if he gets to a point where he feels like Marcus Satterfield is just not getting this offense where we need to go or where we could go, then that change will be made. Of course, we will see what happens with all that over the next few weeks. Real quick, I want to thank y'all once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every single day. We cover the South Carolina Gamecocks in just 30 minutes. If you want future notifications and alerts on our shows over here, you can feel free to subscribe and click the bell on YouTube so that you don't miss out. And you can also give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. All right, let's now talk about the defense. Because obviously, this loss wasn't just totally on the offense. Although, a lot of the talk for the next week is going to be on the offense. The defense definitely did not play their best game either. On the two touchdown drives Missouri had in the first half, here were the stats collectively. They had 25 plays that they ran. Both drives went for 180 yards. Both drives started inside Missouri's own 15-yard line. One of them started inside their own 5-yard line. They drove all the way down the field, both drives, took 12 minutes and 18 seconds off the clock, and scored touchdowns, of course, on both drives. About the worst start the defense could have had, honestly. Just the worst start. And, of course, that was compounded by what the offense was doing at the beginning, which was not a whole lot. Third down defense was, they took a step back tonight. Third down defense took a step back tonight. I mean, Missouri, it's not like they didn't have a chance to get out the field. South Carolina, I think, in the first half, forced eight third down attempts for Missouri, which in most cases would be a good thing because that would mean that, you look, you're getting them to third down and at least an average defense, you're probably at least stopping them on five of those eight attempts. Missouri converted six of their eight third down attempts in the first half. And then probably did the same exact thing in the second half. I don't have the numbers for that half right in front of me, but it didn't get a whole lot better from that point on. The rush defense was not great. Missouri really, they really got South Carolina in this game because of all the eye candy they gave them. They gave them a bunch of jet motion. They stretched the field horizontally. They used a lot of misdirection. I said earlier in the week that this was going to happen, that they run plays where the blocking scheme, the O-line, is going one direction, but the running back or wide receiver, wherever the ball is going, that's all taking place in the opposite direction. All about eye candy. I called it a gimmicky offense. Clearly, 
I made a very offensive comment about that offense because they dominated doing what they did on Saturday night. Running read options, running a bunch of play action misdirection flat route passes, basically. Didn't throw a whole lot of passes beyond 5, 10 yards. It didn't matter. They sliced and diced South Carolina. The other thing that really surprised me, Missouri's wide receiver unit, and I've always thought that this receiver unit for the Tigers was good. Before the season, I thought they were pretty good and pretty deep. I did not realize they were going to bring as much as they did in terms of perimeter blocking. South Carolina's DBs got manhandled on the edge on Saturday night. There's no getting around it. And it propelled a lot of really solid plays for that Missouri offense. It really did. Uh, the game plan for Missouri, again, was to attack the edge. And it led to a lot of long sustained drives. They got some explosive passes, of course, throughout the game. There were some injuries that took place in the secondary, which really hurt South Carolina and probably caused some miscommunication issues back there on the back end. And it wore out South Carolina's pass rush. South Carolina could not get to Brady Cook on Saturday night. Now, Brady Cook deserves some credit for this, too, because Brady Cook showed Saturday that very he's very athletic. I saw this in the Auburn game when I watched it back. He's more athletic than I originally thought he was. Brady Cook's got some wheels. He's really got some wheels, and he hurt South Carolina in that regard, big time. South Carolina couldn't bring a whole lot of blitzes because of the kind of play calls that Missouri's offensive staff was putting out there. I mean, I saw two separate third downs earlier in the game where Clay White tried to bring a blitz on third down. He tried to bring some more heat on Brady Cook. Missouri almost knew, basically, that that was probably going to happen. Both of those third downs wound up being, I think, screen passes to a out of a trips look, and both times they converted. And then after that, it seemed like Clayton White was pretty hesitant to not blitz as often, which I could understand why he would have been. So, South Carolina's defense, yeah, they got popped in the mouth multiple times. And they just couldn't respond. Even later in the game, when Missouri didn't score as many points, they only scored six points in the second half, they still at least had somewhat productive drives in the sense they took time off the clock. They were getting some yards. So to bottom line this whole thing, this is a bad loss for South Carolina. I'm I'm just, I got to be honest with y'all. This is a bad loss. South Carolina really had a chance to cement what they were doing with this latest four-game winning streak that they were on and another losing streak against another team that most of the fan base believes should never be above them in Missouri. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Uh, Coach Beamer did say in his post-game presser, he did not sense complacency with this team throughout the course of the week during practice, and he made it a point with his coaching staff to look for any signs of complacency. They didn't find that. Now, of course, if they did, you could sit there and say, well, of course, he's not going to say that they found any signs of complacency. But I feel like if they did, Coach Beamer would have at least alluded to it in some fashion at the press conference, but he didn't. And the player, and I can tell you all right now, look, don't get upset with the players. Please don't get upset with the players. The players still fought their butts off. And I prom- I can promise you, Spencer Rattler, Austin Stockner, Nick Emmonworry, and Debo Williams, who were all at the press conferences, after Shane Beamer was at the podium, they were all pretty dejected. They were very upset. They really took the loss hard. I promise y'all that. Um, that if if the rest of the guys are acting like those four did when they were in front of the media on Saturday night, 
the entire team is disappointed that they lost this game. Now, of course, you can't just sit there and say, well, it's a good thing they're disappointed. Sure, you want them to be disappointed. You should be disappointed when you lose a game like that. But again, South Carolina had a real big chance here to take the bull by the horns. Extend this win streak to five games going into the Vanderbilt game. This Vanderbilt and Florida game, this these next two games, they're very dangerous games for South Carolina. I, I talked about this or alluded to this late last or later or good Lord. Let me rephrase earlier this week. With the Vanderbilt game, Vanderbilt's had two weeks to prepare for South Carolina. Y'all, this Vanderbilt team, they had South Carolina on the ropes last year. South Carolina had to drive down the field in their last offensive drive of the game and score a touchdown to win. And Vanderbilt's an improved team this year. And let me tell you right now, if this South Carolina team that showed up against Missouri shows up against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt can win. They absolutely can win. There's no question about that. The Florida game... Florida came back against Georgia today. They were being dominated. They were down 28 to nothing, I think. They came back and cut the lead down to eight. They've got a great running game. South Carolina better start thinking about that Florida rushing attack because they're going to get tested in that two weeks from now. They are going to. And they got Anthony Richardson, who will be the best athlete at quarterback the Gamecocks have played all year long. So... Um, it's going to be very interesting these next couple weeks. And of course, I'll dive into all that as we move through these next few days and get closer to these games. But that's going to do it for this quick reaction show. It ended up not being quick. It ended up being 30 minutes. But I hope that y'all enjoyed this very much. Please leave a like and subscribe if you did enjoy and you want future alerts and notifications on future shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast or give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Again, thank y'all once again for making us your first watch or listen. Now, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to throughout the weekend or this next week, go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast where the biggest stories of the day and instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day will all be found at that podcast. They do a great job over there on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. So go give them a listen. They're available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, thank you all for joining today's show. I will have an audio version of this podcast up sometime tomorrow morning. Thank you once again. Have a great night. God bless.